This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill. I'm here with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. Hello, Hello. Professor Gershon. Good morning, Liz. I hope uh, you had a great Fourth of July. And, and today, we're excited to welcome back uh, Professor Yvette Butler. Uh, and but Professor Butler was on our show when Dobbs versus uh, Jackson Women's Health Organization was filed as a case. And now we're fortunate to have her back to discuss the Supreme Court's, U.S. Supreme Court's decision, its impact, the implications for future decisions. This Good morning, Professor Butler. Would you please remind us about your background and, and how you became interested in reproductive rights? Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks so much for having me back on the show. Um, I do wish it were under better circumstances. Um, so I'm uh, also a law professor at the University of Mississippi, and I think you know I've always been uh, very interested in issues of privacy, women's rights, um, race and the law, things like that. So uh, yeah, so I was paying a lot of attention to this decision. Right, and we uh, there was nobody that we could possibly think of that would be better uh, to, to help us through this show and talk through you know what happened. And let's start with the, the past a little bit. What let's start with Roe versus Wade. I mean, I know a lot of people were critical of Roe versus Wade, but I would I would typically say, have you actually read the case? And and the answer was typically no. Uh, so what exactly did Roe versus Wade provide? You know, that was the law before Dobbs. So what did it provide? Right. Yeah. So um, in Roe, the court essentially said that the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution um, in its conception of liberty, which also encompasses privacy, um, encompasses essentially a pregnant person's right to obtain an abortion. Um, So they grounded that right in the um, concept of privacy and liberty um, in the 14th Amendment. So, you know, were those, was the right to an abortion unlimited in Roe? Um, no, it wasn't. So all of our constitutional rights have various limits and restrictions to them. So usually when somebody says, you know, I have a right to X, um, they don't necessarily know or understand explicitly how it's limited. Um, but in Roe, essentially, the court said, um, OK, we're going to use the this trimester system, which, as we'll talk about later, got changed to just looking at viability. Um, But it it essentially looked at um, the potentiality of life versus um, the health and life of the pregnant person um, and basically said, you know, the closer you get to the third trimester, the less claim, you know, like a woman has over her body, essentially. Um, And so first trimester, a state cannot interfere with the right to an abortion. Um, Second trimester, they can start placing some restrictions. And then third trimester, um, a state can ban it completely. 
So it's kind of a balancing test, really, and trying to figure out, you know, at what point can the state say our, our rights supersede the person's right uh, to, to, to privacy and to make, uh, make exactly. that choice. All right, so um, how did Dobbs change a person's right to choose on, on, on a federal level? Yeah, so Dobbs essentially said that, you know, Roe versus Wade and then Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which really um, upheld that sort of central right to obtain an abortion. Dobbs said, you know what, those cases are both overruled. The Constitution does not explicitly protect the right to an abortion. The Constitution does not explicitly protect the right to privacy. So states can essentially regulate or ban abortions however they like, um, which part of that, you know, beyond being just sort of shocking that they sort of overturned decades of precedent was that Roe and Casey also protected, you know, basically said that states always had to make an exception for the life and health of the mother. Um, but that was not something that they reiterated in Dobbs. So essentially a state can ban however it likes. This morning, we are talking with Professor Yvette Butler about the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization ruling. Today is July 5th, 2022. Things kind of change on a monthly, weekly, daily, hourly basis. But you can send us your questions. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. And... Can can states still allow abortions then after Dobbs? Is that possible? Yes, absolutely. So um, they can, and many of them still do allow abortions. Um, a lot of states are actually um, double-checking their state constitutions, um, seeing whether or not the right is already protected at a state constitutional level. Um, proposing constitutional amendments to their state constitutions to protect the right, um, introducing and passing legislation that would expand the right. Um, so yeah, states are, a lot of states are really on top of securing the right on a state level. Now, interestingly enough, I mean, right now, like, there, there's a hearing going on today um, in Mississippi because there was a case in the 1990s uh, saying that the Mississippi Constitution, the state constitution, protected right to privacy, including a, a, a right to abortion. Um, so, you know, the state, I mean, what, what could come of that? Yeah, so I think that's a really interesting question, which, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that that is happening today because um, that is something that you know i know we're sort of listening for to see if we um, get any news on that um but yeah essentially because i mentioned that in roe casey dobbs you know the court was the supreme court was looking at you know does the united states constitution protect this right um but that doesn't mean that states can't protect the right um, in their own constitutions. And so that's exactly what the argument is. Um, in it's still called um, Jackson Women's Health versus Dobbs, but now it's just been filed 
at the state level um, because there was a 1998 case that said that, you know, Mississippi's constitution does specifically protect the right to privacy, bodily autonomy, and that the right to an abortion is recognized in the state constitution as being one of privacy and bodily autonomy. And so, you know, um, what could, all right, so states could, could, can provide for, you know, abortion rights, but not, could Congress on a national level uh, create law that says we want to protect rights uh, to abortion on a national level as well? Yes, they could. And so I think um, that's really the, one of the places to watch, which, you know, some folks might remember that when the Dobbs draft decision was leaked, you know, a lot of folks were really pushing Congress to pass federal legislation, um, and they did not do that. <laughs> um, but that is always still an option. Um, so I think that's definitely something to watch out for in the future. And, and you know, the, the other thing is, I, know, I suppose that Congress could also pass a law that nationally bans abortion as well. I know that people are saying, well, you know, the, the Supreme Court didn't do anything but give it back to the states. But, I mean, it is possible Congress could take it away from the states. Yeah. And so that's, yeah. And so that's why um, I think this decision was so shocking and meaningful for so many people, um, because without a United States constitutional right, that extends to everybody within the bounds of the country as opposed to one state. Um, you know, after midterm elections, depending upon, you know, which party's in control, um, yeah, it could go either way. Um, so, you know, the having a constitutional right is really the thing that stops states or the federal government from just swinging wildly in either direction. You can send us your email questions to our address, legalterms at mpbonline.org. David, hang on. We'll get to your call when we come back. We're discussing the consequences of Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization. If you are a legal fanatic, where can you go for detailed information? I'll tell you that next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app.
This is In Legal Terms. Recordings of our show are found on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app. I'm Liz Gill with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. Now, if you want more information, Supreme Court... .gov has tons of things to click on to get lots of judicial information. Also, hey, MPB News will have is covering all facets of this ongoing news event. mpbonline.org or also the MPB Public Media app is where you can find our MPB local information. This morning, we are talking about the ramifications of the Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization with our guest, Professor Yvette Butler from the University of Mississippi School of Law. And, and you know, Liz, we're so lucky to have uh, Professor Butler here with us. And, and you know, let's start with the Mississippi case, or actually the statute. Um, and it was actually written not so much by the Mississippi legislature, but it's kind of a, there was this prepackaged um, uh, statute that was sent around the country to uh, states that might be receptive. And in Mississippi, it was called the Gestational Age Act, uh, which limited abortions to 15 weeks. Um, and Mississippi was... Uh, trying to show that that was constitutional in, in the Dobbs case. Why did the why did the Supreme Court go even farther and say that Roe was completely overturned? They didn't need to do that. They could have just said, yeah, 15 weeks instead of, you know, the original first trimester, uh, you know, viability 15 weeks is certainly within within the limits. Why did they go so far? Yeah, so I think as a lot of folks have heard from, you know, like various sources, um, I think there are a lot of folks who have been sort of itching to overturn Roe since the decision was um, was enacted. So um, the the decision really hones in on this right to privacy, um, really just saying, you know, like abortion is not explicitly located in the Constitution, neither is privacy. Um, and so there are like the court makes a big deal, I think, of all of these rights that are grounded in this sort of implicit right to privacy um, that could be in danger of being overturned. Um, I'm happy to get to that. Right. And we, we we actually talked about it the last time you were on the show, and we had a caller that said, but there is no right to privacy in the Constitution. And, and you talked about the case from Connecticut of Griswold, you know, Griswold versus Connecticut that dealt with contraception. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we can, we will, I, I think, we, I know Liz uh, is telling me we have a couple of calls that we need to get to, but we, we definitely will get to that question of what is the right to privacy. Yeah. Let's go to David in Horn Lake. David, thanks for calling into In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question? Well, I'm kind of going in a little bit of a different direction. As a victim of a sperm donor, uh, uh, with this court ruling that they've done, you're going to see massive backlogs in the courts that men did not want to pay child support. They're going to get so far behind, and then you'll have to threaten to go to court, and they'll pay just a little bit to catch up, and they'll start the process all over again. And then you'll have people fighting over my niece fought for years about one reason, one reason only. Which state do you uh, uh, use as a basis 
as a child support guideline. She lived in Tennessee. He lived in Mississippi. And because Tennessee has a higher uh, uh, child support guidelines, her husband fought her for years. Didn't care about the the, uh, the uh, uh, health and welfare of the child. He was All he cared about was the dollar sign. And the third thing is we need to start really emphasizing about men, about getting their self fixed. I got a vasectomy at age 25 because I didn't want kids, and uh, and I took the necessary steps to uh, to uh, fix that. And uh, the the one thing that would doom a person for for a lifetime of poverty is have a child that's not doesn't have a two parent family and love and stability, financial stability and love and whatnot. We. Uh, the, the the that court decision. I'm a pro choice, 110 percent. They need to allow, allow uh, the uh, abortion pill to be delivered by mail, because we're gonna have a big big mess. Because you're gonna have all kind of sperm donors that are not gonna want to pay their fair share of child support. That's my that's my comment. Yeah. David, you've uh, you, that we, we could do a whole show just in, unpacking David's comments. We do have two other calls, but uh, Professor Butler, do you want to address any of the points that uh, David make about child support and vasectomies and what states yeah. uh, have uh, have uh, authority? Yeah. So no, I I really appreciate David's um, comments because I think, as he said, there is a lot in there about sort of you know, what are we doing sort of on either end of a pregnancy? Like, what are we doing um, for about contraceptives? Uh, what are we doing about, I think education is also a big one. And then what are we doing once children are born? Um, and are we really, con- like, is this case really about, you know, life and welfare of children? Or is this more about control? Like, what is this actually about? So, you know, like, I think David brought up a lot of great points there that, like you said, we could take a whole show to talk about. Let's uh, get some uh, other callers' uh, questions and opinions. Let's go to Natchez and speak with Francis. Oh, uh, Francis, we are talking about the uh, abortion debate today. Got a, uh, question. Got a good question and on it, too. Okay, great. Let's let's keep it to that topic, please. Okay. My question about this is, uh, in all of the states, you know, uh, there, there are unwanted pregnancies, you know, incest, rape. Uh, what's going to happen with all these kids that if the mother decides not to, you know, take care of it, and who's going to pay for it? Dave Francis, I think you, <laughs> you you asked the question. I don't know if uh, Professor Gershon or Professor Butler can uh, answer that personally. Professor Butler, what has been the thought in the past month about that? Yeah, so I think um, the— the Dobbs opinion spends, a, I think, a very limited amount of time on that, essentially saying, you know, oh, well, if somebody has an unwanted pregnancy, they can just give their child up for adoption or they can, you know, like there are options. And I suppose the, the main focus um, of Dobbs, I think, is really 
the like undercutting the right of a pregnant person to make those decisions about their own health care. Um, and I think, you know, sort of like I mentioned in response to David's question, you know, I think there is this gigantic question mark about, you know, what are we doing with the welfare of the children who um, will come about um, because of this decision, but also what are we doing with, you know, like all of the pregnant people who did not want to have an abortion, or sorry, did not want to give birth for one reason or another. Um, so yeah, a lot of great questions, and I wish I had more answers. Professor Butler, this isn't in the script, so I don't know if you know, typically over the last 10 years, about how many abortions do we know have been performed uh, annually? Yeah, that's a good question. I think sort of goes outside the scope of my professional knowledge. I, I, I didn't know if you had read something or, or might know, you know, what what kind of a population increase would this possibly give to the United States? Well, I, if I can say something, I mean, I do know that Mississippi leads the nation in teen pregnancy. Uh, and that's not one that's not an area we want to lead the nation in, you know, in a, in a state that's already deals with a lot of poverty because, you know, the question uh, is David raised, you know, is them now, what, you know, how who's going to take care of those children if, if they're if, if the if the, you know, the parent has no choice. All right. Um, so let's let's talk about, you know, we, you mentioned privacy. Let's talk about um Let's talk about uh, privacy, Professor Butler. I mean, what, how, you know, what did the what did the court say in Dobbs about this right to privacy? Just, is there just a right to privacy in the Constitution? Is that what it is? Yeah. So, I'm I'm glad you asked because I know you know a lot of people will sort of cling to this idea that oh well privacy isn't located in the Constitution, um, and there are a lot of rights that we recognize that are not explicitly stated in the Constitution. Um, and actually, that was one of the concerns of some of the framers of the Constitution, that if you list rights, then some people will say, oh, well, anything that's not listed doesn't exist. Um, and that was always the fear of some of the framers, <laughs> um, that that's how we would look at the Constitution. And so, you know, like when, so Griswold versus Connecticut, which was about um, contraceptives, sort of went through um, a variety of different amendments saying, you know, like there are these sort of quote unquote penumbras of privacy located in all of them. So if you think about the Fourth Amendment um, protection from search and seizure, for example, like there is an implicit right to privacy sort of contained in that idea. Um, there's the Ninth Amendment, which specifically says that, you know, like just because, you know, essentially just because a right isn't enumerated doesn't mean that it doesn't exist, because how could we possibly capture every right that exists in this short list? Um, and then there's the 14th Amendment, which talks about liberty, which is ultimately the direction that the court has grounded um, privacy interests in. And so, like, I have a very long list of assorted rights grounded in the right to privacy, if you want to hear that list. Yeah, no, I, you know, I think it's really important, and I think people, you know, I, I, when I think of Griswold, I think of, you know, Connecticut saying it, it's illegal to use contraception, 
right, essentially. I mean, and, and what ultimately for me it comes down to as a tax professor, not a constitutional law scholar, is how would anybody ever know whether that couple is using contraception in their own home? And, you know, and so they, we have to respect the privacy of what people do in their homes. And that's search and seizure and things like that. I mean, that all of those rights come with some protection of what we do in our own homes is really for us to decide. And what we do with our doctors is, is what for us to decide and not the state. So, um, so I love that. I, you know, I think it's really so important because I think people uh, just say, oh yeah, well, the, the word privacy is not in the, in the Constitution, so it's, it doesn't count. But yeah, I, Thomas Jefferson um, really proposed that the Constitution be updated every 20 years or so, right? I mean, because I think he understood things change and, uh, and that document's over 200 years old at this point. Um, so, Let's can we switch focus for a second? And can can Mississippi prevent now? Okay, so Mississippi says let's assume that uh, the hearing today is going to come out with the result that um, Mississippi uh, is going to say abortion is illegal in Mississippi. That is my bet. All right. So could Mississippi prevent a person from traveling to a state that allows abortions? Yeah. So I think that's sort of a million dollar question, right? So what I usually tell people when I'm asked about that is. You know, as we've seen, um, conservative states are willing to just pass laws and then find out how enforcement works later and whether or not the laws they passed are, you know, even legal or not later. Um, and so this is actually a really underdeveloped area of the law, sort of like this right to travel and how can one state prevent you from traveling to another state. Um, and so there, there's actually this really great article that's coming out in the Columbia University Law Review that sort of goes through all of the different options. Um, so for example, going back to the 14th Amendment and liberty, like some people have argued that the right to travel is a liberty interest. Um, there are also other parts of the Constitution, for example, privileges and immunities, where the court has recognized sort of the right for one person to travel from one state to another and set up residency in another state. Um, and then there are just huge state power concerns with how can one state tell another state um, what they can and can't do with out-of-state residents. So there are a lot of there are a lot of complex questions in that. Email us with your questions. The address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're talking about Professor Yvette Butler from the University of Mississippi School of Law about the ramifications of Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. She just talked about travel. If you are interested in time travel, I'm going to tell you how you can do that next. I'll also have just a general link to that Columbia University Law Review so that when the article is published, we'll have a link to that on the show information for this show. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Thank you. 
When you look at your vehicle, think of MPB. Need to get rid of your ride? Donate it by calling 877-MPB-4-CAR. Need to have some work done on your truck? Listen to AutoCorrect Thursdays at 10, Saturdays at 11. An MPB license plate reminds you that MPB is with you wherever you go. Go to your county office and ask for an MPB car tag. MPB and cars, better together. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. Our broadcast can be heard live over the air in Mississippi and over the Internet around the world from mpbonline.org slash radio. This morning we are talking about the ramifications of Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization with our guest, Professor Yvette Butler from the University of Mississippi School of Law. Now, Professor Butler was kind enough to be a guest on our show in June of 2021, just after the Dobbs um, case was argued. So you can time travel back a year and listen to that broadcast on our podcast to take you back to our thoughts from a year ago. Man, we have four lines filled with calls. We'll see what people's questions and comments are. We knew this was going to be a popular show today. Let's go to John in Mobile. John, we're glad you've called into in legal terms today. What's your comment or question? Uh, good morning. I, I, I have a single question and then a comment based on what I heard on hold. I'm curious whether or not there's any precedent for a state that outlaws abortion in actually prosecuting people who have left the state to go to a state where abortion is legal and available. I, I guess that's a question, my first question. And the second one is it's apparent that the Supreme Court deliberately picked this case and adjudicated it in a way where they would outlaw or, or at least remove uh, constitutional protection of privacy and abortion for a class of citizens. And I wonder, as the Supreme Court, parenthetically, I leave a comment, and I'm a layman, and it seems to me that the Supreme Court, at least the intent, is to protect or, if not expand, rights of U.S. citizens until now. So when have they, other than this particular case, when have they gone out of their way to say, nope, taking this from you? 51% of the United States citizens. That's my question. Yeah. Pro Professor Butler, have you heard anything, or Professor Gershon, have you heard anything about states? Um, you know, I think, I know, is it Missouri one where they don't allow their citizens to go out of state for an abortion? Have you heard of any citizens for, of any of those states being prosecuted? So I haven't yet heard of any citizens being prosecuted. Um, I know that, you know, like, so like you mentioned, there are states that are considering or enacting laws that say that somebody will be prosecuted, whether it's the pregnant person, whether it's somebody that helps them travel, whether it's a 
physician in another state that, that actually performs it. Um, but I haven't heard of anybody being prosecuted as of yet. Um, relatedly, I have heard, so like, for example, Massachusetts had said that they're not going to cooperate with another state who tries to, you know, pursue any of those prosecutions. No extradition. Um, right. What about um, any other, I guess maybe a constitutional scholar, any other rulings that we know of where seemingly rights, rights uh, citizens have held have been taken away? Yeah, so I know there, there, was, there were a lot of comments on this sort of being the biggest and perhaps one of very few examples of rights being rolled back to this extent. Um, I have yet to investigate that for myself. Um, but yeah, I don't know if Professor Gershon, you have another any- show, I- another topic for a show. I have one, and then I'm not sure this is exactly on point, but you know, Japanese, uh, U.S. Japanese citizens were interned in internment camps during World War II. And the Supreme Court said, well, that's okay because this is, a, you know, a time of national emergency, and so we can we can make the you know take these people who are citizens and force them uh, into these essentially concentration camps. So it's but it's rare. That's the only instance I can think of where that's and happened. And, and yeah, I think that's a good example of you know where maybe they haven't said okay, we're overruling some case that gave a right, but we are going to limit a right based on these circumstances in this dramatic way. Um, And I think, you know, war has brought up some very, very interesting examples of that, like Korematsu. John, thank you for that uh, call. We're getting a lot of great discussion questions. Let's go to Tom in Brandon. Tom, thanks for calling into In Legal Terms today. Our guest is Professor Yvette Butler. We're discussing the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization kerfuffle. Um, event, uh, ongoing discussion. What's your comment or question, Tom? I'd like the professor's uh, opinion of a layman's view of the Constitution in regards to abortion. Uh, As I understand, the foundational document for our country is the Constitution, which protects the citizens and allows the citizens to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. I think it's clear to me, at least in the 14th Amendment, there's only two ways that you can become a citizen, naturalized or born here. It does not say that a fetus is a citizen. And this decision by the court, uh, all of the anti-abortion, or not all, but the majority that I see reference biblical uh references in terms of why abortion should be illegal but the bible isn't the constitution and my question is are we going away from democracy and towards theocracy uh i'm as a former catholic and a majority catholic uh supreme court uh it seems like these decisions are not based on the constitution but more on biblical teachings uh, I would like their opinion on that layman's representation of what our Constitution should stand for. 
Thank you, Tom. Uh, gosh, that's something I hadn't thought about, that a, a fetus isn't born and it didn't take the test, so it's not a, a citizen. Uh, Professor Butler? Yeah, so I'm really glad you asked this because actually um, Professor Gershon and I were talking about this during a break. <laughs> um, and I, it, so it's interesting. So in Roe, the court specifically said, you know, like we are not here to solve this debate among theologians, scientists, medical professionals, like philosophers. Like we're not here to say when life begins. Like that is not our role. Um, so it is. So it is interesting how um, you know. I think the. I think it's a very common experience to have um, sort of these religious debates with folks. When you're right, like the Constitution isn't the Bible, um, but also the conversation that we were having earlier was that, you know, like, whose religion are we subscribing to exactly? Um, so, Professor Gershon, I don't know if you wanted to add to that. Well, there is there is a, uh, a group in Florida, uh, a, 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 a synagogue in Florida that is suing because under Jewish law and also under Sharia law, under, under Muslim law, the, the, the concept of when life begins is different from uh, like beginning at conception. And so there really are some questions about religious freedom here because, and in, in certainly I can speak for Judaism, in Judaism, the, the woman's, the, the pregnant person's uh, life is the most important thing. And, and uh, you must, if necessary, the, the fetus must be aborted to save the mother's life. And I think that could be um, prevent that these these laws may change that ability whereas you know under the under that religious law you know that is you know uh, preserving that that life is the most important thing so um you know and i think uh, uh, i've talked to uh, muslim friends who said you know same thing i mean that that sharia law is more expansive about when abortion uh, can take place so this is really just one perspective uh, that came through it seems like It'll be interesting to see how that case uh, from the synagogue in Florida uh, goes forward. Okay, so Jerry, Ed, and Sylvia, hang on. We're going to take our last break of the hour. We can take your questions to our email address, legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're discussing the ramifications of Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization with our guest, Professor Yvette Butler from the University of Mississippi School of Law. So did you do you like to watch YouTube videos? I have a YouTube channel to suggest to you next. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. find autocorrect helpful especially on coach charlie's tip of the week listen to our podcast with me coach charlie melton on any podcasting platform or on the mpb public media app Thank you for being part of In Legal Terms. If you miss part of our show, please do catch up on our podcast. It's on all podcasting platforms. I'm Liz Gill here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. 
at 11 Central. On Tuesdays, following our over-the-air broadcast, you can hear Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio. YouTube has videos, but it also just plays audios, like podcasts. You can find MPB's podcasts on our channel, MPB Think Radio. And when you find our podcast, you like, subscribe, and ring the bell to be notified of any new episodes that are updated. We're talking today with Professor Yvette Butler from the University of Mississippi School of Law about Dobbs versus the Jackson Women's Health Organization. We have three calls to get to for the rest of this hour. Before we get back to our discussion, let's go to Ed in Jackson. Ed, we're very glad that you've called in. What is your comment or question? Well, similar to the previous caller, um, if I've got it right, there are six justices on the Supreme Court who are Catholic. There are two Protestants, one of which is Gorsuch, who was raised Catholic, and one Jew. Uh, and my question was similar to the last caller. How are we not to believe that their faith played a part in their decision um, in support of the banning of overturning Roe versus Wade? Uh, and I know there's no way to prove that or for the, for the uh, moderators to prove that, but it just seems to me that's too too much of religion and politics and government swirl together. And I was just curious about what they had to say about that or if they had anything else to say other than what they addressed in the last call. And uh, I will hang up and listen. Yeah, so, Bill, no, thanks for that question. I think... I mean, I think, um, you know, a lot of folks would say that really all of us come to all of our decision making through a certain lens and like with certain baggage. <laughs> and I don't think that's any different for the justices, um, which, you know, of course, the Constitution and precedent, you know, like prior cases are supposed to sort of constrain judges and justices reasoning um, as they you know I rule on new cases um, and so I, I think it is I think it is an interesting question you know as as we sort of move forward from this opinion you know sort of it as people break down the decision and look at you know was this reasoning legally sound um, and what does it mean to be legally sound um, to know that your, um, you know, personal preferences aren't getting in the way. I think our show is n not to take away from uh, Professor Butler. I think we've putting her more on a constitutional scholar spot than actually discussing uh, the ramifications of the case. And we're going to keep doing that just a little bit. Let's go to Jerry in Bay Springs. Jerry, what is your comment or question for Dr. I'm sorry, Professor Yvette Butler from the University of Mississippi School of Law? Well, I could fill your ears, uh, believe me. Um, I've got my, the first comment is that if the court is going to follow this originalism doctrine, then the next thing they should do is take the vote away from women and blacks and Native Americans because they weren't mentioned anywhere. They weren't even considered uh, real people at the time that the Constitution was written. But my question has to do with the confirmation hearings for the 
latest three justices and also for Samuel Alito, they said during their confirmation hearings that Roe was established law and that they would, uh, didn't believe in overturning precedent and that it was the law of the land. And lo and behold, the case comes before them and they decide they're going to upset all the precedent. So my question, I know it's the Supreme Court. You can't do anything further right now. But would that be pretty much an impeachable offense if we could get control of the Congress again? Uh, that's all I have to say, and I'll hang up and listen to you. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry, uh, from Bay Springs. Yeah, so I I love these questions, Jerry. And so, you know, I don't mind being put on the spot as a constitutional scholar since, you know, that is what I am. It's just as a constitutional scholar, we have a hard time keeping our answers to sort of radio acceptable <laughs> um, limits. Um, but yeah, so... I mean, on your note about the confirmation hearings and impeachment, you know, like I, I honestly don't know that um, there's any precedent um, for sort of taking the statements from co from confirmation hearings to try to impeach a justice later. Um, typically, you know, impeachment is more about misconduct on the job. But I know that, you know, a lot of folks are interested in pursuing that question. And, you know, I also just wanted to quickly respond to your originalism comment, because in um, Justice Sotomayor and Kagan's dissent, they really did call attention to originalism and say that, you know, when you force folks to, you know, into this perspective of originalism and looking at, okay, well, what rights did women have? Like, what rights did black people have um, back when the Constitution was formed? They had none. <laughs> um, and so, you know, like they say, um, when the majority says that we must read our foundational charter as viewed at the time of ratification, um, it consigns women to second-class citizenship because that's what they were. <laughs> um, so I think it is a great question about originalism and like what does that actually mean for the rights of any sort of marginalized identity group. Let's take one last call. We're so glad Sylvia from Clinton has hung on. Sylvia, thanks for calling in legal terms. Today we've got Professor Yvette Butler, and we've been discussing the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization case and appeal and the new things that are coming up. What is your comment or question? Well, to prosecute a crime, uh, you have to have evidence. So for them to provide evidence, they'd have to have, like, the doctors, the nurses, uh, the medical staff, the people working in the office. Uh, someone along those lines would have to give testimony. And wouldn't that violate HIPAA? And then also, uh, one more thing, uh, and I don't know which, I'm not a, I'm not a, scholar, a legal scholar at all. Uh, there's a right to be secure in one's person's property and papers, I think. Uh, I don't know which one it is. Would that not influence all this? Uh, how can you be secure in your person if, you know, somebody else can tell you what you can do with your person? <laughs> Thank you, Sylvia. We'll uh, see what Professor Butler, 
Are you a HIPAA expert also? Yeah. No, see, I, I, I feel like, you know, all of these callers have such great questions, and this is honestly what one of the things you do in law school is sit and think about all of the different angles that you could approach something from. So like, I really love, I mean, everybody who's called in, I feel like if they haven't gone to law school, they should come and join us in the legal profession. Um, but no, I think, so like the HIPAA question is a good one. And I think, you know, a lot of this does come down to policing um, and a lot of complex aspects of policing and enforcement. Um, and so, you know, I think some people might be familiar, like when you go to see a therapist, generally everything is confidential, except there's usually a carve out for, you know, like if you are a danger to yourself or others um, is when they can sort of break that privilege. And so I am not a HIPAA expert, um, but, you know, I think that is going to be a question about like when folks are trying to gather evidence does this fit into some sort of HIPAA exception um, and you know I, I know a lot of people on the internet have been talking about like if you have one of those period trackers on your phones to disable it because you don't want um, you know, like you tracking your period electronically like you don't want that data to then be taken and used against you um, they've even should, said like the target app can figure out if you're expecting based on things you buy it, uh, that's everyday tech Wednesdays at 10 that's a whole nother thing yeah yeah but no I like there are um, there are questions here about technology and policing which all factor into this issue of privacy like are your shopping habits going to be used against you if you know target knows <laughs> in your history that you have purchased menstrual pads at the same time for the last several years um is that going to be used as evidence against you so yeah there's a lot here to worry about Professor Gershon, we need like three more hours. <laughs> we do. We'll have to have we'll have to have Professor Butler back because this was great, and we really appreciate her being here. Please continue to listen to MPB and to watch our watch for our news. You can get it on the app. You can get it on the MPB Public Media app, and go to mpbonline.org. This news is changing every hour, every day. We should have some information this uh, afternoon from what's going on in the Hines County Court. Thank you. Thank you, Professor Butler, for being on our show today. Having me. Well, next time she comes on, we'll see if she gets that HIPAA certification expert badge. <laughs> this has been In Legal Terms. Thank you to uh, Jermaine Flood and to uh, Jay White for getting our show produced and for Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Please join us Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Central for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.